Welcome to the Keep Smiling podcast. I'm Lara Rebecca, a mental health and eating disorder awareness advocate, public speaker and sports science student. Through using my previous experiences of anorexia nervosa, depression and anxiety disorder, I aim to raise awareness, to educate and hopefully reassure others within a similar predicament that they're not alone. This podcast features honest and uplifting discussions focusing upon mental health, mindset, psychological resilience and growth, with an overall aim to destigmatize the conversations circulating mental health, challenge predetermined societal stigmas and share some truly inspirational and motivational stories. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Keep Smiling podcast. I hope you're doing well. Today I am bringing another little solo discussion, a little conversation with just you and I. And today I want to discuss a few of the eating habits specifically that I've been actively engaging in, but also subconsciously engaging in, which has facilitated now that positive relationship I have with food. So in a way, hopefully this can benefit you if you are in a more vulnerable state with disordered eating, but also if you're just an individual in the 21st century and you're wanting to maintain positive connotations and positive relationships with food because I think regardless of a diagnosis regardless of a official clinical illness I think in a way we can all be susceptible to some uncertain relationship when it comes to food so hopefully a few points that I'll be discussing today can inspire you to make sure that you're embedding habits which is going to promote a positive relationship with food and almost encourages you to have a perception of food which is positive and good and ultimately will impact your overall well-being in hopefully, fingers crossed, a positive way. Before we get into the points, one thing that I never actually mention or one thing that I forget to say Could you potentially rate the podcast, whether you're listening to it on Apple, on Spotify? A five-star rating would be very, very much appreciated. I earn nothing from this podcast. Everything I do in terms of mental health advocacy and eating disorder awareness is totally non-profit. So just having a little bit of reassurance and validation via a little star rating will do the world of good. So thank you ever so much for taking the time. Okay, let's get into it. I think the one thing that has most certainly benefited the relationship that I have with food is by eating mindfully and engaging in mindful eating. I can understand from an outsider's perspective, it sounds a little woo-woo, but what I mean is paying attention to the taste and texture of food and being aware of hunger cues and fullness cues. Try to consciously remove distractions and sit at a table that is the key here. I'm very big on environmental cues. You know, the desk is where you work, the bed is where you sleep, the lounge is where you relax, the table is where you eat. I think sometimes we can get into this habit of making our food and going straight to the TV. I do it sometimes, absolutely, but the majority of time when I have my breakfast, where I've cooked my dinner, I make sure I set a table mat, set a smaller one for my glass of water, and I sit at a table and it seems so basic, so obvious, so stereotypical because we have tables in the kitchen, you sit at the table and eat your food. But I think certainly with the 21st century, with mobile phones, with TVs, with all sorts, with YouTube, we always want entertainment. And if you just take a little moment to sit at a table and be mindful with your food you know, not inundate yourself with content, not inundate yourself with videos and distractions, 
Give yourself a few minutes to enjoy the flavors, embrace the textures, enjoy this thing that you've created without distracting yourself all the time and just focus on the food. I guess traditionally, we're always very used to sitting around a table with our families, but as we grow older, as we go to university, as we change our habits, as we change our living locations, our habits and our environmental cues change. I think I got into a habit when I moved out of my house to eat my breakfast in my bedroom and I'd watch a YouTube video. I remember I used to prepare the YouTube video ready so I could sit down and press play. And now I've just remembered, Lara, you bought a solid oak table in the lovely kitchen that you own. How about you just sit at the table and process your thoughts and enjoy the flavours and not be distracted, not be inundated with content and videos and other people's opinions and all this stuff. Don't be scared about being in the present moment. Don't be scared about sitting in silence because it's very peaceful. And I tend to get up, you know, before my housemates. So enjoying that quiet moment, enjoying, you know, opening the door, listening to the birds. If it's a lovely day, being able to sit outside. It's really magnificent. It's really simple. But something that I want to stress so much, eat at the table, don't distract yourself, focus on the food, appreciate the food, take a little bit more gratitude. Um, Yeah. I think that's a good one to start with. Okay, point number two is getting creative and cooking. I think experimentation in the kitchen was one thing that really facilitated my recovery because it allowed me to almost stop demonizing food. I saw it as a form of creativity, as a form of exploration, as a form of discovery. You know, how can spices do this? And What can I add at the top to add a bit of crunch? Does this nut add a nice little texture? What can I do with marinades? You know, it makes the process more exciting. And I think when you come from a background of establishing fear foods, of concreting this kind of opinion in your mind that food is bad, food is scary, once you add a bit of a creative pizzazz to it, it makes it more exciting. It doesn't make it as heavy. It doesn't make it as daunting almost. So explore new ingredients, flavors and cooking methods to potentially make meals more exciting and enjoyable. I remember when I got some cooking books and I'd literally just go and flick through and put little tabs on each slide and think, okay, I'm going to make this next time. I'm going to do this. And I was really fortunate that my stepmom and I would pick out a recipe and we'd do this. And then as time went on, we'd adapt it a little bit to our preference. And I think that creativity and that excitement and the ability to create, again, I think that kind of enhances that gratitude, that appreciation because you've made it. But it's also exciting because it's not just a mundane slice of toast. It's a lentil dal or it's a beef stroganoff or it's a this and it's a that and it's a little bit more fancy and you've made it so there's a pride in it as well so I think that kind of facilitates that positive reinforcement that facilitates that positive perception of the food that you have in front of you there's a bit of I did that you know that was me that was my hard work that was my commitment so that was something that was really good for me Something else that's relevant in that respect is, again, when you move out, when you get your own place, when you're living this life of independence, it forces you to be creative because you are now responsible for food. Um, So I think I have that newfound level of pride because when I make a batch of curry or when I, you know, 
prepare my chicken or when I make my um, five spice marinades, you know, you have this pride because you've bought it as well and it's your independence. And yeah, I think cooking is something that's been really facilitative in terms of that positive connotation that I have with food and hopefully that will only continue because I am in a bit of a fickle, I am in a bit of a repetitive state when it comes to my staple meals I probably need to push myself out there. I'm in a bit of a routine with the curries and the thises and the thats. I, I think I need to open a new cookbook. I think I think that's that's just reminded me. I need to get myself a new cookbook, try some new things out, get some more staples um, and expand my horizons even a little bit more. Okay, the next one is something that I think I'm still learning. I think we'll all learn because it challenges routine, it challenges habits and it enforces you to be more present, more mindful of your body. So it's the concept of listening to your body, honoring hunger and the importance of, you know, tuning into your bodily sing- singles, singles, excuse me, signals. You know, I think that concept of honoring your body's hunger, fullness and satisfaction cues is really important. And also not having any guilt associated to it. I think sometimes if you're hungry after a meal, you're like, oh no, but I I can't eat anymore because I've just had food. And society tells me that I only need to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner and two snacks, but I, I can't, I, I shouldn't be hungry because that's what I have to do. Or if you're still full past a certain time, but you haven't finished, you know, there's all these complex dialogues. You want to conform to the expectation, to the routine, to the atypical breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. But sometimes you're going to be a little bit more hungry and you need to understand the importance of honouring that hunger, of fueling your body adequately to facilitate your overall health and your overall well-being. Yeah, I just want to emphasise the importance of trusting your body signals because sometimes we fluctuate. Sometimes we, on different days, we exert different levels of energy. We have different requirements. We have different preferences. We are human. Our requirements differ every day, every week, every year. We go through seasons. We have needs and respect that. I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of we have to eat at this time, at this break, and then we have to be full and that's going to sustain until this time. And you're almost dictating your pattern and relationship and routine with food via a clock or via what society tells us that we have to do. Whereas sometimes we just got to listen to our body a little bit more honour our hunger, honour our satisfaction cues and just try to tune into our bodily sing- singles. I, why can't I say that word signals? <laughs> you know, tune into those signals and respect what it wants, respect the fuel that it requires, respect that you have needs, respect that you fluctuate. And I think that just comes back to that concept of self-compassion. Listen in, give it what it wants and don't deprive yourself. So next, I think it's kind of an obvious one. In today's society, we are inundated with numerics, with statistics, with numbers. So it's easy to fall into the trap of calorie counting, of obsessing and focusing and hyper-analyzing, <laughs> I can't talk today, of hyper-analyzing the numbers and the numerics. So the big kind of obvious piece of advice for me to give to you is to try and ignore these numbers and to not calorie count. There are so many downsides that comes to calorie counting. So some of the potential negatives um, include increased anxiety, reduced enjoyment of food, 
a disconnection from hunger and fullness cues. You know, you're not listening in because you're hyper-focused on the numbers. But again, there almost feels like a safety when it comes to reading labels, to looking at the numbers, and it provides a sense of control. It almost provides a sense of autonomy. And I know when I was really poorly, that was something I absolutely fixated on because it was a coping mechanism, because it was something I could fixate, because it was something I could control. But it turns out, in hindsight, I wasn't controlling the numbers. It was the eating disorder that was controlling me. And this was just one of the many behaviours and disordered behaviours in which I accumulated, which facilitated my downfall towards anorexia nervosa. So, calorie counting, I'm not a huge fan of. And just generally, from a nutritional perspective, calories don't dictate the health or the quality of your food. Food is so much more complicated than one single unit of energy. And that's a whole podcast in itself. Send me a message if you want me to talk to a nutritionist, because that would be an interesting conversation to just destigmatize and demystify the connotations that we have with calories. Because it's so quantitative, because it's so easily adaptable, because it's so easily calculated, that disordered mindset can sometimes fixate to that concept of calories. So I think it's just important to step back and to realise that there's so many other things that we should focus on when it comes to food choices, when it comes to deciding how we fuel ourselves accordingly. And I suppose seeking out alternative approaches to tracking, maybe think about increased energy levels and how you have improved mood or you've developed better physical fitness. So looking at these more holistic perspectives rather than solely focusing on the numbers could be of benefit. For me, when I was dabbling in the concept of increasing my overall energy intake, it was scary because it was out of my usual norm. It was out of my control. It was not in my usual routine of severe deficits, of restriction. But what came out of it was the fact that I had more energy. I had more springing my step. I wasn't sluggish. So I think focusing on those non-scale victories and those overall health and well-being concepts and thinking about the long-term sustainability, thinking about your energy levels, your ability to play with siblings, your ability to engage in activities. You know, I think reminding yourselves of those concepts is so important. Yeah, and just recognizing that if you're in this severe routine of calorie counting and deficit and numbers and statistics and decline, that can sometimes impair your energy levels, how you wake up in the morning, your mood, your emotional states, the way you regulate your thought and emotions. Um, And yeah, just realizing that letting go can sometimes be so, so transformative and so, so freeing. Okay, next we have the concept of removing labels and almost this connotation that we apply to foods. I think we can very easily apply foods into different groups. We've got the bad foods, we've got the good foods. Diet culture has a huge responsibility when it comes to that. But there's such a negative impact of labelling foods as quote-unquote good or quote-unquote bad. Because this perpetrates this disordered eating pattern. Because there's this avoidance, um, there's this fear, there's instilling this negative connotation to certain foods that majority of the time is so undeserving those poor buggers I remember when I was younger I was really quite poorly and I'd have such a black and white list in my mind as to what foods 
I would allow myself to eat and what foods that I wouldn't even hesitate with the concept of thinking about eating. And this just makes it really difficult and really scary and really quite damaging because once I was trying to get back into a routine of healthy eating, of recovery, of instilling a more positive relationship with food, I was really having to challenge these determined beliefs and these concrete beliefs that I developed over so many years in my mind and knowing that it's okay to eat a biscuit, it's okay to eat something that I crave that may have sugar in, it's okay to eat bread, it's okay to have a bowl of cereal. Thankfully these are things that I enjoy on a regular basis now. You know I'm very fortunate that years of work have allowed me now to have a healthier connotation and relationship with these foods and you know I eat them on a frequent basis and it's not like an emotional overload experience it's just this is food this is what I want I'm going to eat it but there we are but when I was in that very deluded in denial black and white mindset of good food bad food it's really restrictive and it's really quite debilitating And it's debilitating for your social life and you feel restricted, you feel scared, you know, you're hyper-analyzing, you're hyper-focusing and it's really quite anxiety-inducing. So evidently, I feel like maintaining this sense of balance and a balanced approach to food as a whole is going to be the key to success. If you continue to manifest this disordered and rigid relationship with food, you know, yes, no, good, bad, black, white, it's going to be really difficult because you're developing such an emotional connotation with food. And at the end of the day, food is fuel, food is what gets you through the day, you know, it's something to enjoy, it's something to celebrate, it's something to enjoy with friends, and not something that should be so critiqued and demonized. So trying to be more inclusive with food, try to encourage, you know, this flexible and inclusive mindset towards food and ensuring that you are incorporating all foods in moderation, yes, is certainly a difficult thing to instill if you're in that more vulnerable mindset, if you are struggling with an eating disorder, because you can have these catastrophic waves of guilt and shame, but just try every once in a while, if you have you know, these foods that you fear or if there's a certain group or if there's a certain category that causes you more anxiety, just try to reintroduce small and steadily because over time then it becomes normalized and you realize that you're not, you're not getting hurt. You're okay. You know, you're still waking up in the morning, you know, you're fueling, you're good, you're healthy. And then you get to just push the boat out even more and you just begin trusting a little bit. You begin having a little bit more faith which then in the future could hopefully facilitate this domino effect because once you challenge one thing, you can then challenge another. And inevitably, there may be setbacks. There may be a certain challenge that pushes you over the edge a bit more, but just take it one step at a time and try to remove these labels and these bulls and groups and titles and connotation that you have with food. Food is food. Not good, not bad. Everything in moderation. And yeah, I think sometimes we can become so overly emotional which ultimately can be damaging and one either encourage an eating disorder or two prevent you from recovering from an eating disorder so it's a process almost certainly and I'm not trying to oversimplify because I still have my wobbles I still have my moments where I'm just like oh my god I used to I used to you know have that as a fear food and shall I have a little worry should I have a little anxiety but I know now that over practice over time as the years have progressed I now have a far more relaxed approach which is a really 
grateful and freeing feeling. And finally, we're going to wrap up on the concept of not focusing on others' eating habits. Oh my God, aren't we a culture of comparison? And I think when we understand the uniqueness of our individual needs, we then respect the fact that everyone has different dietary requirements. Everyone has different preferences. So it's essential that we respect and honor these differences. But again, it's very easy for us to see what other people are doing and then immediately thinking, oh my goodness, we need to do that. Oh my goodness, what I'm doing is incorrect because one person isn't eating that category of food or they're eating this amount or they're not eating at a certain time. And we almost feel like we need to mirror these behaviors because we're glorifying and romanticizing this other person's relationship, this other person's uh, kind of structure and routine that they hold with food and what they do eat, what they don't eat and their behaviors and their patterns. But they're a different person. You know, it's very easy to become influenced. It's very easy to see what other people are doing. And especially if we're glorifying them or if they have an ideal physique or whatnot. But respect the fact that you are an individual with individual needs and our requirements differ. It's very easy to compare, especially food sizes and food portions and having this guilt if you're eating more than somebody else or comparing your plate to somebody else's or if you're in a buffet and you've gone for another round and they didn't. It's really difficult to not feel a sense of guilt, not feel a sense of anxiety, not feel a sense of overwhelm and panic, especially if you're in that more vulnerable mindset when it comes to food. So in this instant, it's really important to emphasize that notion of self-compassion and self-acceptance because comparing your eating habits to others can ultimately have a very, you know, detrimental um, impact to your own recovery and well-being. can be really detrimental if you are trying to recover from an eating disorder, if you are trying to maintain a positive relationship with food, especially if you have people around you that are engaging in behaviors that probably aren't that healthy. If somebody is restricting if somebody is on an aggressive elimination diet if somebody is engaging in extreme fasting behaviors it's very difficult to kind of ignore that and not hyper analyzing too much it's so easy to do though it's so hard to kind of get out the habit and immediately think oh my gosh do I need to do this should I do that am I doing something wrong and you go into this internal dialogue of chaos and frenzy and catastrophizing every single thing that you've ate and the diet that you should go on and you go down this hole so just try to remember you are you you have your needs you have your preferences you fuel to fuel your body and not their body for once just be really selfish think of you um that's their body that's their preference that's what they're doing just try in this case manifest that main character energy and trust yourself have faith in yourself make sure you're honoring your hunger cues and not allowing somebody else's way of eating to impact the way that you eat um again a very difficult one but again something very important to notice to try to not focus too much on other people's eating habits and just be selfish in this case and focus on you and that's why it's so important to cultivate that supportive environment and surround yourself with people who respect and support your individual choices around food. That, And that's why it's so important to make sure you are cultivating a supportive environment of people who foster a positive and non-judgmental atmosphere. Um, you know, it's so important to surround yourself with the people who respect your individual needs and food choices um, without judgment and without criticism or without perpetrating 
a relationship that may not be healthy from the outside perspective um but I guess sometimes that's not something that we have in our control um and for that I'm really sorry if there's somebody that is in your close and intimate circle that behaves in a way with food that kind of triggers you um and that can be tricky and that can be difficult so just make sure that you are reaching out for support if needs be because ultimately without that supportive network without somebody to offload without somebody to discuss openly with without somebody that you can have a conversation with in a non-judgmental manner it can be really tricky so if you are in that more fragile state take a look at the show notes below because I will be applying a few links and resources below to hopefully help you if you are in a difficult situation if you are needing support please know that there is so much courage in seeking support when it comes to you know your relationship with food with disordered eating and eating disorders um it's a very isolating position to be in so taking those first few steps to reach out to proactively seek help is something really powerful and it's absolutely indicative of your determination and your strength so if you need any help please look below and yeah, I hope this podcast has been somewhat facilitative. It's been a bit of a waffle. I think I'm, again, very much used to having the one-to-one interview discussions and I've got somebody to bounce off of. So when it's just me and my brain and my gobbledygook of a mouth, um, it may seem a little bit chaotic and sporadic, but I hope you've found some value of it. Um, yeah, that is that for today. Please send a message if you have any other requests or any other kind of episode topics that you would think you could find beneficial and if you could be ever so kind to leave a little review that will be very very much appreciated but yeah for today I will leave you here believe in your own strength and keep smiling I'll talk to you in the next episode bye